All right, repeat after me. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, it is Sunday. It's Baptism Sunday. What an amazing kickoff to our service. Uh, I know we lost an hour, so I'm going to need your help, okay, because I'm tired too, okay, so I'm going to need you as we go on this journey together. We continue in this series. We've been going through the book verse by verse, the letter of 2 Timothy written by the Apostle Paul to his mentee Timothy. Uh, We've been talking about how God's word is literally exhaled out of the lungs of our creator as a treasure, as a gift for you and for me to absorb and to consume and to have in our lives. Um, So I thought today, uh, in light of the XL series, that we would test your lungs, okay? I wanted to test your breathing techniques, if you will. So I'm going to need you all to stand up, stand on up, you're like, come on, Travis, I just got comfortable. I know, I'm sorry. Stand up. What we're going to do is we're going to see how long you can hold your breath. Okay, we're going to see. Okay, I'm going to put a countdown up on the clock here, and I'm going to give it, and we're going to see how long. Now, when you run out of breath, then you sit down. Okay? She's already done. (laughs) She's like, I'm out. I'm out. They don't even start. I'm out. Okay, you ready? On your mark, get set, breathe in. feeling it right now. For those of you watching online, I hope you're doing it as well, okay? Now, don't cheat. This is church, okay? Like, I know it's really easy to cheat, right? I get it, but, you know, God knows your breaths, okay? So just, I think it was like a minute 40 last service was the, was it? Yeah, a minute 40. Now, I don't want you to pass out, okay? Like, I don't want to call EMS, okay? So please, just don't overdo it, but okay. How much endurance do you have? (laughs) Guys are hanging in there. It's like you guys aren't even phased. You sure you're not cheating? Okay, all right, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> Some of you guys went right down together. It was like it was like unison. Jim Cooper over there holding strong. You know, Larry Kim did pretty good last service too, man. Not gonna lie. Mark Salomongo's in meditation right now. I can see it. Yeah. Here we go. We're down to three. Or three, yeah, yeah. Or no, we got some in the back there too. <laughs> Jim's, Jim's gone. We got, it's just between Mark. I can't see who's back there, the, the lights. Is he out? All right, Mark Salamango is the winner. About the same time as Rod. This is incredible. You guys are, okay, wow. All right, so listen, we got a gift for you, okay? And because we're in our exhale series, which we've been relating to a balloon, you're wondering why a balloon. So uh, God's word exhaled, breathed out is like this everlasting balloon that will never pop, never deflate, never go out of style, nothing ever added or taken away. So we thought, Mark, we get you a balloon. <laughs> but not just any balloon. A limited edition, there's only four ever that will be in existence. And that is a Pastor Maya balloon. That's right. And don't worry, it's a two-for-one special. If you get tired of Maya, you can just turn it like this and get Pastor Barry. 
Now, when we ordered these, we envisioned a balloon that was going to be more the size of that, and it came like this. For all you joining us online, let me just give you a little taste of what we got going on there. There you go. You're welcome. Okay. Now, listen, Mark, if you want, you can turn this into the Connect table and get no, a gift card instead. No, no way, man. This is okay. Okay, hold on to that. Maya will sign it. He said he'll sign it later. Okay, so awesome. Some of you guests in the room are like, what is going on with this church? They are very weird. We are very weird, but that's just who we are. But we're so excited you're here. And why did we do that? One, we just wanted to wake you up a little bit, but wake you up on purpose. Because uh, we're talking today about this word. Say it with me. Endurance. One more time. Endurance. Endurance. We're going to see Paul, who wrote this letter, inspired by God, uh, giving us endurance to keep going, to keep moving. Because sometimes, let's be, let's be real, right? As we live in this world, as we go through the things that we go through, as we go through discouragements, the ups and downs, it's sometimes easy to just not have endurance and just kind of give up. Uh, we've learned in this letter, and we're going to see it again today, that if you're a Jesus follower, you cannot escape suffering. It's just going to happen. Persecution and suffering in different ways are going to come in your life. We just can't escape it. As you walk through this world, you're going to get dinged up. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just say, you're going to get dinged. That's right. I know we don't like it. It's just the facts. You're going to get dinged up in this world. It's going to happen. And some of you, you know, you're walking in today and you're feeling good. Life's going good. But others of you, if you're honest, you feel dinged up. Come on, right? Some of you are feeling pretty dinged up in many different ways. Maybe you're feeling dinged up in your marriage right now. Maybe you're feeling dinged up in a friendship tension. Maybe feeling dinged up as like a parent. You're like, oh my gosh, you feel like you're drowning. You're losing your breath in a sense. Uh, maybe you feel dinged up financially with your job. Maybe with a character issue where you just keep getting attacked with that same thing over and over again. It just feels like it's burying you. And then sometimes because of those things that are being dinged up, when it comes to following the ways of God, it's easy for us in our minds maybe to just be exhausted and lose breath and just be like, I'm done. And you check out. Or maybe you have checked out, if you're honest, today. No one knows but you, but you've checked out. And uh, I think we know deep down in our conscience that that's not the answer. That's just going to cause more chaos. It's going to cause more confusion, more depression, whatever it is, it's going to fill your life. And so today... Paul is striving to give Timothy and the church of Ephesus, which then relates to us, to give us some encouragement, to give us a dose of encouragement to have endurance, to keep going, to keep moving. So we're going to see four tips and goals to help us have endurance as we weather whatever we're going to weather in this life. But before we do, as always, I just want to pray for us, and then we'll dive into uh, to his words. So just in the quietness of this moment, whether you've been following God for decades or just for a few days or you're still like no way um i'm not there yet i just i want all of us to just say all right god just speak to me just say that god speak to me just just say that in the quietness of your heart just speak to me help me not to miss it help me to humble myself enough to hear from you if you're really there would you just please speak to me just ask him that god thank you for your word being alive and living and real and that there is, like I always say, a pulse in the pages. So get us, get me out of the way, help us to focus, help us to narrow in, use this time wisely, and uh, control my pace as I communicate as always. And we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen. All right, hey, as always, open up 
to the letter of 2 Timothy. If you have a journal, you know, we've been going through writing things down. If you don't have a journal, I'll, I'll encourage you, you know, put your phone on airport, but go to notes and um, just start writing notes. Because when you write things down, it really helps you remember and stick. And then, you know, if you're like me, I just forget so easily. So I just encourage you to write things down as we go along. So we're going to be, we're, we're, we're wrapping up the, the, the chapter 3 of this letter. Chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 10 through 17, as we already heard. And again, as I said, Paul is using this. He's shifting, going into an encouraging moment to his mentee, Timothy. For a while, he's been warning Timothy of false teaching that's going to creep in and be counterfeit. So he's been warning him. But then right here in the letter, he shifts to encouragement. And so that's where we pick up in verse 10. It says this, you, that's referring to Timothy. However, referring to not the false teachers, but you, Timothy, what does he say? You have followed my teaching. You followed my conduct, you followed my aim in life, you followed my faith, you followed my patience, you followed my love, you followed my steadfastness, you followed my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and in Iconium, which um, we, don't, uh, we know that, that Timothy wasn't actually there with Paul in those moments, but he heard of that suffering. But then it says, and at Lystra, Lystra, he potentially was there, we think, because that was his hometown, uh, was Timothy's hometown, which persecutions I endure. That's just a little historical context for you. Uh, yet from them all, uh, all the Lord rescued me. But what he's trying to say is he's saying, look at Timothy. <clears throat> Way to go. Way to exhale out endurance. Way to like, stay in the game. Way to have endurance as you face all that you've been facing, all the pressures of leading the church in Ephesus, all the people make, you know, looking down at you for your youthfulness, all this stuff. But you have followed. And look at, he lists all of these things. He's listing, look at all these things that he's saying that he's been following. So th- what this reminds us of is to step back. One way, one key ingredient to help us exhale endurance out of our lives is we exhale endurance by your Paul. Who's your Paul? If you're taking notes, we exhale endurance by your Paul. Who's your Paul? Who is the spiritual leader or leaders in your life? Do you have the right spiritual leaders or leaders speaking into your life? Do they practice what they preach? We see a great filter that Paul gives us, you know, with what they teach, their conduct, their aim in life, their faith, their patience, love, steadfastness, the suffering. How do they handle that? I'm not talking about perfection, but what is their endurance when it comes to their character? Are they willing to make the tough calls even when they're not popular, or do they compromise? Do they practice what they preach? What is their main drive and purpose for their life? What is the level of their faith? Is it big or is it timid? How do they handle trials and persecution and, and suffering? Like, How do they deal with it? I can think of many different Pauls that I have in my life. I got to spend uh, a couple weeks ago, Jen and I got to spend uh, some time with one of the Pauls in my life. And he just kind of breathed some endurance into our lives. And one of those was we were just talking about church planting. And we're a church planting church, if you didn't know. And we've multiplied many different times. And, you know, sometimes to have the endurance to keep doing that is, is a lot, especially when you have some downs on the journey. And we've had ups and we've had downs with helping start churches. And, um, but he just reminded me, he just spoke into me. He just said, remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. He said, be faithful in the little. Be faithful in a sense what is right in front of you. And the local church is the hope of the world, and we can't stop. 
We can't be selfish and just keep it to ourselves. We have to strive to continually to be open-handed because it's working. He's like, yeah, sometimes we're going to see failures, but yeah, but we're also going to see fruit. And it reminded me of just even this morning of standing in this place. Mile City could have just stayed in Plymouth and not have multiplied. Um, and you look at what God has done in this place in a short amount of time, and we got to keep doing that. we got to keep being a church that is open-handed because there's places in our city that don't have this, and they need it. And we need it. The population's growing. The church attendance is declining. I can go on and on and on. But all that being said is, man, having that Paul just speak into me saying, it's working. Don't give up. Be faithful with what's right in front of you. Be faithful with the little, and then he'll give you more. But it also reminds me of this. I look around this room. Some of you I don't know, but many of you I do know. And man, look at all these Pauls. And look at all these patties, if you will, okay? Pauls and patties. Man, I, this should also give us endurance to think about how many people are counting on you. Think about it. There are so many people counting on you because you are a Paul or a patty in their lives. And, we, you know, one of the things that we do here at Miles City, and you hear it in these baptism stories, is we have coaching relationships. These are coaching groups, three to four, no more, gender-specific and then what's sad is that we have a lot of people that have signed up that want to be in coaching relationships, and we haven't been able to get them connected. Not that we're just, like, dropping the ball. It's just because we have no one to connect them to because we don't have enough coaches. And there's so many people, I think, that run from being a coach, and I hear this all the time. I don't know it all. And when you say that, I want you to know that that's exactly who we're looking for because no one wants to know it all. Seriously. We don't want to know it all because then there's this arrogance and pride that kind of comes like we actually like say no to people that we think, you know, think that they know it all. We don't want them to be coaches. But when you are humble, of course, if you're just like blatantly not wanting anything to do with God and following the scriptures and fine, it's going to be a tough coach. But you have so much wear on your tires. And if you are striving to open up God's word and say, look, I don't know it all, but I'm going to strive to keep following after this. And if I don't know something, I'm going to get the answer. Follow me as I follow Christ. And there's people that are hungry to just be around your presence and uh, hear how God is working in your life. And it's amazing what God can do through you. And so maybe, just maybe you need to get off the bench and be a coach. We only meet two times a month. It's really not that big of a commitment. And but the fruit of it, whew, I've seen so much fruit in the coaching relationships that I've been able to be a part of. So who's your Paul? Who's your Patty? I want to encourage you to lean into them. If you don't have one, get off your butt and find one. Like, it's not going to come find you. You have to go find it. You have to do the work. Stop making excuses and complaining. Go for it. It's so, so worth it. So how do we exhale endurance? We exhale endurance by our Paul's in our lives. Next, it says this, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Isn't that just a really comforting verse? Just, wow, man, all who live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. We already kind of talked about that. Man, sign me up. I mean, not really. I mean, I've actually heard people argue this and say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and be ungodly. 
so that I don't have to face it. And I was like, well, that's funny and foolish because obviously ungodly people still face persecution. But what this is talking about, right, is in the lens of suffering for the name of Jesus. And that's a different kind of suffering. And when we suffer and have persecution in the name of Jesus, there's a different type of joy that comes from that. And we've talked a lot about the different types of persecutions that we can face physically or emotionally. In, in, in America, we're going to feel it more emotionally than we are physically right now, at least. Um, but, you know, there's different ways and forms that pain can come. And so one of the things that we see here is how we can exhale endurance is not only by our Paul, but by our pain. You can write that down. We exhale endurance by our pain. And when you experience that pain, and when you experience rejection, that shouldn't deflate us. That should increase our endurance, reminding us that our faith is actually working, and we rejoice in it, and it spurs us on. Now, I can think of many different stories, but I just want to touch on what I've seen in the last couple years of people suffering, in a sense, or having rejection because of their faith in Christ. I think about the many letters I had to sign for trying to get out of a shot. Now, I'm not trying to get political here, whether you took a shot or not a shot. There's no judgment here. But some people just felt like in their spiritual beliefs that they didn't want to do that. And so some people, employers, received that letter and let them stay working, and others, they got canned. I think about someone the last couple weeks I had coffee with, and they went to their employer who they felt they were seeing lack of integrity, lack of character, some very just uh, unrighteous things that were happening within the company, and he called it out. He just couldn't deal with it anymore. And he thought that, you know, maybe there would be a shift, but there was a shift. He was axed as soon as he walked out of the office. But because of his beliefs and his integrity, he couldn't keep putting his name attached to that company. And so there's many different ways that we'll suffer. Now, sometimes there's the suffering and the pain that comes with being a Jesus follower, but also there's pain that we all know that we're going to face in this life in general as we walk through it. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've already kind of talked about us getting dinged up. But maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's the pain of losing someone on this earth way too soon. You weren't ready for them to leave this earth. Or the pain of the constant letdown of infertility that you battle with over and over and over again. And it's like one more hospital appointment. It's just like, oh my goodness, it's never going to take. Or battling a disease that's just painful or you're helping someone go through that. Going through a financial hardship. The aftermath of abuse that maybe you have dealt with physically or sexually. Or maybe that addiction that just keeps haunting you over and over again and sometimes you're like why do I have to go through this pain I just want to remind you that when your heart breaks or aches the heart of God aches and breaks and that the way that he has set this up this earth is that we're not robots and so we live in a fallen world and so there's good so there will be bad there's light so there will be darkness therefore we can have a real relationship with God and sometimes we will see why we're walking through the pain that we're walking through on this side of heaven. But sometimes we don't get to know and we don't get to see and we will understand it when we get to the other side of heaven. But as Jesus followers, here's something that we have that, G that people that don't have Jesus don't have. We know the future. 
And so I want to remind you of this very important truth as you walk through pain in your life and how it helps exhale endurance out of your life. Hold on to this. Write this down. Circle this. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. It says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Does anyone rejoice in your sufferings? I mean, come on. Like, But I, sometimes when we first read this, we think, really? Rejoice? That's not saying, like, I enjoy my sufferings. Like, no one enjoys going through the pain. But this is saying, I'm going to rejoice in my suffering. Why? Because I'm going to rejoice in my suffering knowing that suffering produces what? And endurance produces what? And that character produces what? What is God giving us? He's giving us the hope. He's giving us the future. He's letting us know that, yes, this stinks. This is not good. I don't like the way this feels, but he's giving us the future. He's saying that, listen, rejoice in this knowing that it's building muscle. It's building endurance. It's building character that you've never had before, and it's building you hope. And not only hope for you, but hope for those that are surrounding you as they watch you walk through the pain. I love how Ron Dunn put it. The tears you shed now are watering someone else's garden. Isn't that true? As you've watched other people walk through their pain, doesn't that give you some endurance? I can think of so many stories of people that I'm just like, wow. And I'm reminded of it in my own life to make sure that as I walk through pain that I remember that I'm helping water someone else's garden. And so I don't know what you're walking through today. But are you allowing the pain to deflate you? Is there some parts of it where maybe you need to shift and allow that pain to motivate you and exhale more endurance and character and hope in your life? Another little, just for those of you that are just in something right now, it's tough. I want to remind you of something so important. That, yes, there are people that will pray for you in your pain. You have friends and you have family members that will lift you up in prayer. The prayers of a righteous person accomplishes much. But don't forget that there's someone else who's praying for you. And that's your Savior. Literally, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 34. I didn't put it on the screen, but you can write that down. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is at the right hand of God? Jesus, who indeed is interceding for us. Let that comfort and soothe your soul, knowing that you have a Savior that is praying over you and the pain that you're walking through. Let's keep going. Verse 14. But as for you, continue... And what you have learned. Keep going. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. This is, what this did for me was it reminded me of the importance of passing down the sacred writings, passing down the faith and the virtues and the values of Jesus from generation to generation. And it made me think of the blessing the generational blessings that are out there, and then also this topic that maybe you've heard before about generational curses. 
And I wanted to just address this just for a moment, just to make sure there's no confusion on this. So one of the ways that we can not only exhale endurance, one of the ways we can exhale endurance is not only by our Pauls and by our pain, but it's by our parents, by your parents. And here's what I mean by this. Let's, I, want you to, I want you to hear uh, Psalm chapter one, 145, 145, verse 4. It says this, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share. And that Hebrew word share means literally like a bubbling forth of a bubbling stream, like outpouring. Everyone will share like a bubbling stream the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. And so for some of you in this room, you have what I have had. And wow, is it a gift that I have a heritage of Christian Jesus-following great-grandparents and grandparents on my mom's side and then my parents pouring that into me. And now here I am, Lord willing, trying to pour that into my children and maybe even grandchildren some days. Who knows? But the privilege that I have, I mean, my life has been shifted and altered because of a generation behind me that took it seriously to pass down the faith to me. And, and for me to act like it didn't mean anything would just be ridiculous. The impact that it's had on my life is significant. Now, some of you in the room are like, well, good for you, Travis. Glad you had such a great upbringing. Mine was completely the opposite. We didn't have sacred writings being passed down. We had some other types of writings being passed down that we can't talk about in church, maybe. So a lot of times what happens is, is then we, come up, we hear this phrase, this generational curse. And you might be thinking, well, I guess my family's cursed because of my family's sins that were before me? Where do we get this? Where does that thought come from? Like, we, we, we see a big part of this in Exodus 20, verse 5, where the Israelites were trying to worship false gods. And here's what God told them. Check this out. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Is he serious about this? I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me. Wow. So could your kids be punished for your sins? Have you been punished because of your parents or your great-grandparents and their parents' sins? And the answer is yes. And you know it because some of you have experienced it. You're living evidence of it, of how the sins of your parents or grandparents have affected your life. It's just reality, right? I mean, we just pass it on. It affects us. But please hear me clearly. There is a difference between be, being affected by our parents' sins and being cursed or trapped by our parents' sins. You are not held there. 
You are not stuck by your parents or grandparents' sins. And the reason is, is because Jesus Christ has broken the stronghold of sin over our lives. And if you've never heard that before, I want you to receive this, not from me, but from God's word, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Amen. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Continues. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you, that means you, that means me. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. I don't even need to explain that. You just have to receive that. But the question for some of you is, do you have Christ? Have you allowed him to break that stronghold of sin over your life? I'll tell you what, it's going to be a lot harder for you to break the pattern of your family's heritage without Jesus. I mean, you can do it, I guess, but you can really do it with the power of Jesus. Listen, if you don't have a, a heritage of faith in your family, that should not let you down or deflate you. That should give you endurance that you now have the opportunity to change the tide. I mean, I can't, I, my friends in my life that have shifted the tide of their families... It's unbelievable. And they give me such endurance watching them change it. And I'm like, well, yeah, what the heck? Look at you. And I have what I have been given with my privilege of family faith investing in me. And, and look at you. What am I doing now in comparison? It's like amazing. It pushes me. And so don't let that deflate you. Let that motivate you to continually pass it down no matter what your past is. You are now in control of your family's future. Take it seriously. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. Next. You guys okay? We all right? Okay, all right, cool. One, one, one more. I'm looking at the red. I'm like, shoot, that was going on for too long. All right. Um, I've got one more point, and it's already red. Shoot. <laughs> this is the theme verse. For the series, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What a gift, God's word. But sometimes, let's be real, we can forget how powerful this truly is. Or some of you, if you're in this room, if you're honest, you don't really think this is powerful. And I get it. You think this is just like any other book. This is like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or something. And that's fair. But maybe the reason is, is because you haven't looked enough at the evidences of how powerful this is. I just want to give you a little bit. Because one way that we exhale endurance in our faith 
is by understanding how much proof <laughs> is here. I mean, I just, I, I've done a whole message on this, um, so I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. Um, but let me just give you just a few pieces of proof to give you some endurance to keep building your faith. One, there's 66 books and letters all joined together. Um, this is the most unique book that has ever been put together on the planet. And the way that it has been preserved through time and how governments have tried to literally just erase it, it's been impossible to do. God's word stands forever. Um, all throughout the 66 books, there's literally like a thread from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation that is unified and uncontradictory. It's unbelievable. Um, there are, not to mention, 40 different inspired authors and writers from all different views of life, from kings to scholars to doctors to fishermen, all coming together on a span of over 1,500 years, all coming and being in unison together. Not to mention, archaeology has proved it. Archaeology has uncovered it time and time again. You can get on an airplane right now and go to these ancient tell cities that you know, don't even exist, but now they know exist because of what they've been undigging in archaeology. I, I, when archaeology has tried to like trap the Bible, then all of a sudden they uncover something else to be like, oh crap, it actually is right. It actually did say what it said. I, I love a great archaeologist, Nelson Gulick, says this, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Never. Okay, it's like, it's unbelievable. Now, the other thing is not, is not only archaeology, but science has proved it. A lot of times people think, like, you know, I can't be a scientist and a Christian. It's like they're at odds with each other. No, they're not. A lot of times people think that the Bible has had to catch up to science. No, science has had to catch up to the Bible. There's many examples of this. Let me give you one. Um, the earth for thousands of years people thought was flat. Now, some of you still think that, but we're not going to go into that debate right now. <laughs> I don't want to just, that's it's a whole other thing, okay? Um, but I'm assuming most people in the room think the earth is round. So if you think that the earth is round, guess what? Uh, the Greeks were the ones that came up with this. And the Greeks came up with this around 240 B.C. is what scholars say. But guess what? In 600 B.C., hundreds of years before the Greeks came up with it, the book of Job was written. And look at what the book of Job said in 2610. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. Scriptures, the word of God, was proclaiming that the earth was round long before any scientist discovered that it was round. Also, last one, not to mention this amazing number, and we talk about this a lot, but it's just so amazing. You know what that number represents? That's the number of prophecies that have that are inside of this, that are written in the scriptures. 2,500 predictions of the future. And 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. To the detail. Without any error. It's unbelievable. And the other 500, we're literally living in these days where we're starting to see some of them unfold. And so literally, God's just trying to scream at all of us saying, I've got your playbook right here. 
It's right here. I've given you the proof. I've given you the evidence. And yet, what do we do? We put it on the shelf. We let it collect dust. Sometimes we don't even know where it is. And then we wonder why we're feeling discouraged. Pick it up. Consume it. Chew on it. Live by it. It's so unbelievably inspired and God-breathed, and it's a treasure for you, and it's a treasure for me. Not only should that give you endurance, but the other thing that should give you endurance is the proof of how it has affected your life. Don't forget how this thing has soothed your soul. Don't forget how this thing has comforted you. Don't forget how this thing has convicted you, how it has changed you. Think about how this book and where it has made you go and how it is, what is it, how, what have you, uh, uh, I can't say the phrase, um, where you've grown into, I guess is what I was trying to say, become. How have you become? It's unbelievable. So let that affect you. And as you remember that proof and that evidence that is coming out of your life, it also helps others have endurance as well. Okay, wrapping up. What have we heard? What have you heard? I don't know what you've heard. But I hope this was encouraging you to keep moving. And I hope that you'll grab onto some of these and just do something about it. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer of this. What does that look like for you to get some endurance in your life? Who is your Paul? Or maybe you need to be a Paul to someone else. Don't allow your pain to deflate you. Let it motivate you and build muscle that you didn't have before. Pass it on to the next generation. Don't allow the past to um, stall you. Let it just push you uh, into the future. And by the proof of the evidence of his scripture. Last thing, you know, when it comes to God's word having proof, I mean, have you allowed God's word to truly breathe into your life? Like when we talked about the powers and the strongholds of sin over your life, have, have you ever allowed Jesus to break the power of sin that's upon your life? Or are you still trying to break it and get free from it on your own? If you didn't hear anything today, please hear this. It's the most important thing you could ever hear. God loves you so much, so much, that he sent his one and only son Jesus here on this earth for you. And the reason why he did it is because you're a mess, and I'm a mess. I'm filled with so much flaw, I'm filled with so much garbage, so much pollution, and because of that, it separates me from God because he's so perfect and holy. And so that's why Jesus came. God sent Jesus to fix the problem, and that's why Jesus died. You're like, well, I didn't ask him to. I know, but he needed to die for you. Because if not, then you'll pay the penalty for your sin on your own. And that's eternity in a place of pain that you don't want. And so that's why Jesus came. But not only did he die, he fulfilled <laughs> the prophecies. He, he predicted his own death and resurrection and actually pulled it off. Like pronouncing to the world that he truly is God. And because he rose from the dead, it changed everything. And it conquered the penalty of sin once and for all so that you could have life and I could have life. And he made it very clear that the way to break the stronghold of sin over your life is not by your works, not by how good you are, 
not how good you can clean yourself up on the outside, but it's by your faith and your belief in him. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus to break the stronghold of sin over your life, let today be the day. You don't have to understand it all to believe in something. And if you've never allowed Jesus to break that power of sin over your life and you're done trying to fix it on your own, then let this be the day. So I'm going to ask everyone right now to just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And if that's you, if you'd say, you know what, I'm walking into this room and I, I, it's, I, I am tired and exhausted trying to figure out how to fix my sin issue. And I, I, I'm exhausted from it and I, I, I'm done. If that's you, I want to lead you into a faith, real relational prayer with a God who loves you. This isn't religious, this is relationship. This is real. Just say right now in the quietness of your heart, just say, Father, I'm done trying to fix myself. I want you to fix me. Just say that. I want you to fix me. Forgive me. You know I'm a mess. Forgive me. I confess that to you. I lay it before you. And then just say this. Just say, thank you for dying for me. Just say that. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And then right now today, I receive you, Jesus, to be my king. I receive you, Jesus, to be my master, my savior. As we keep praying, my friend, if you, if you really meant that for the first time, you've been fixed, you've been changed. And now you will no longer perish, but now you'll have everlasting life and your life can truly begin now. And now you can start exhaling an endurance out of your life that you've never experienced before. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of knowing you. Thank you for being a God that never gives up on us. We need your strength. We need you. We love you. And we pray this in the power of your son's name. Can we just give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus potentially for the first time today? It's so cool. If you did, we really want to encourage you to not walk alone, especially, you know, those in the room and those joining us online. If you made a decision, you can text the word to the number on the screen. To, we want to celebrate with you. We want to answer any question you have, or you can just grab one of us and tell us uh, there's a party going on in heaven for the most important decision you've ever made of, of your life is putting your faith in Jesus.